0: And he lighted, this is speaking of Jacob, upon a certain place. I think that is peculiar the way it says it there, upon a certain place. And tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. And laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to the heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it. And to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again unto this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it and called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on So that I come again to my father's house in peace Then shall the Lord be my God And this stone shall I have set for a pillar Shall be God's house And of all that thou shalt give me I will surely give thee, give thee tenth unto thee Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. I want to use as a subject, we're going to sing a chorus in just a moment, but I want to use as a subject here this morning, this thought, the cost, the cost of coming back. The cost of coming back. I don't know about you, but I need the Lord every day that I live. And as I was praying Uh, a couple of days ago here in the sanctuary and just seeking after the Lord. This old song, it's just a chorus, came to mind and I asked Taylor if she would prepare to sing it this morning. So they're going to help me. But let's sing it today. Let's sing it together. I want you to sing it as a prayer unto the Lord. Feel that way. Why don't you raise your hands as you sing it. Hallelujah. How many feels that way? Yes, I need you, Jesus. No music, just voices. Let's lift them unto the Lord. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. Every hour, oh, yes. I need Do you feel that this morning? That's the presence of the Lord. time I thank you Jesus I need Yes I need, need thee Oh, if you need him, you're in the right I place this morning. Thank you Jesus Let's love him together. I thank you, Jesus. I love you, Savior. Thank you, Holy God. I need you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. The cost of coming back. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. For Jacob, Bethel was a place of profound and unforgettable experiences in God. His first experience with Bethel occurred when he was forced to flee for his life from his elder brother Esau, whom he had cheated, and also his father, whom he had deceived. After days of running in the rugged wilderness, From Esau, who was a skilled outdoorsman, a man of the field, the Bible says. And no doubt, Jacob not being familiar with these surroundings, having not really been confined to the wilderness for this length of time. The sun is setting, fear and dread, trepidation is heavy upon his heart. He knows he has to find a place to stay the night. And I like how the scripture says it, and I emphasized it in our reading this morning. It says that when he lighted upon a certain place, and over and over again you will notice through this passage the term place and giving significance to this place or calling it a certain place. And he chose to spend the night there. And not having a bedroll, a pillow to lay his head upon, no doubt fleeing in haste, wondering uh, if he was going to be able to get away in time. He didn't think of packing some of these amenities with him. And it's there that he arranges some stones and he. Tries to kind of wallow out a place for him to spend the night. And he lays his head down upon a smooth stone. And isn't it amazing where God chooses to speak to people sometimes? Isn't it really amazing in what kind of circumstances God chooses to deal with mankind? It's normally not in comfortable places that God speaks to us. It's not because he doesn't want to, but it's a lot of times because we will not hear him. And our ears are not ready to receive and sensitive enough to receive the voice of the Lord. So this was not a comfortable place for the flesh, but it was a place, a certain place, that God could speak to Jacob. And it's here after exhaustion has taken its hold upon him and he falls to sleep, that he begins to see this dream. And there's a ladder that is erected before him up into the heavens. And there's angels, and I want you to notice the sequence of this. It says that they are ascending and descending. I believe that is a reminder to us of God's divine order. Before we can expect to receive something from heaven, before something can come down to us, we have to be willing to send something up to him. And this is a type of prayer. This is also a type of worship. When we pray and when we earnestly in faith seek the face of God, and we send prayers up into the heavens, we know that God can speak to us and move in our lives and send something down to where we are. And how many has ever been in a place like Jacob when you needed God to speak to you? You needed the Lord to minister to your need. And the Bible says that at the top of this ladder, there was the Lord. God was standing there. And Jacob had heard of experiences that his father Isaac had had, and no doubt he had heard of experiences that his grandfather Abraham had experienced in encounters that Abraham had had with God. They had been passed on to him orally. They had been told to him as reminders that we are the people of Jehovah God. We are the ones that serve a living God. Others around us may serve idols, but God called us out of that. You understand that Abraham was called out of an idolatrous area and city and region in the area of the Chaldees. And he was called out to follow after God, a living God, and serve Him. And he said, though... We serve this invisible God. He manifests Himself to us. And He speaks to us. And He directs us. And this is a faith journey to be sure. But we know in whom we believe. We know that He is real and He's alive. And He's still working for His people to this very day. And though Jacob had heard these stories, as far as I can tell, this is his first real encounter with God this is his own experience can I tell you that you have to get your own experience with the Lord generations before you can know God you can have a grandmother grandfather that walked with God you can have a father or mother that knows how to pray and they may live the life and they may have testimonies of their own but sooner or later and sooner is better than later You need to develop your own experience. You need to have your own encounter. You need to have your own testimony. You need to know that God is alive for yourself. You know, I'm afraid that a lot of people, the reason why they drift away and draw cold in the Lord is they never got to that place, that it was more than just their daddy's God or more than just their grandfather's God are more than just somebody they respected God. But they never really had an encounter with God for themselves. There's something very convincing about having your own encounter with God. There's something that establishes in your heart when you have a real experience with the Lord. You're not trying to live on somebody else's commitment, somebody else's conviction, somebody else's testimony. But you know because you've had an encounter with Him yourself. You've been healed yourself. You've experienced Him yourself. You've got a real Holy Ghost experience yourself. Amen. It wasn't that somebody just come along and patted you on the back and said, You got it, but you know in your heart that you got it. Amen. Amen. It's not that just somebody come along and encouraged you and told you that God had his hand upon you. But you know because you've experienced the favor of God. You've felt the touch of God. You yourself have been in the presence of the Lord. You know what it is to put aside the the cares of life and and the burdens of life and, and all the temptations that come along with living this life. Uh, you know that there's something that you've experienced that trumps all of that. Amen. And that's what keeps you going. In weak times, that's what keeps you going. In times when the world is trying to attract you and draw you away, that's what keeps you straight. That's what keeps your head on straight. That's what keeps you thinking right. That's what keeps you focused. Is because you've had a real encounter with God. I fear for people that's never really had a real encounter with God because their experience won't last. I remember as a young man an encounter once that I had. I I was really a boy. I remember an experience. It was just like, I don't know how else to describe it, but a landmark in my life that I can even look back to, though it's been over 30 years ago when it occurred that though I'd I'd received the Holy Ghost at a young age, but you know the enemy comes along and tries to to destroy our faith and our early experiences sometimes. And that's why, again, I underscore the importance of you being renewed and refreshed and getting an up-to-date experience with God. Because it's a whole lot easier to live for God if you've got something fresh that you can look back to. And so I remember while there in the altar, and there 's been many times like this since, but I was really praying for confirmation in some areas of my life, and I knew that God early on had dealt with me and placed his hand upon me and even called me uh, to do what we are doing today but But I just needed a confirmation, and there 's nothing wrong with needing that confirmation, and i 'm confident that God can assure us, and God can. Can again confirm to us His will. I don't believe that there is anything wrong with asking God to come and and reassure us at times. And I was standing in the altar and the evangelist came over and laid His hand upon my head. I cannot describe to you. uh, I don't know that we've always got to have that that confirmation at that level of intensity. Uh, Sometimes we are... Uh, to have faith and trust in the Lord and we have to trust God at His Word but God really gave me something that I could feel strongly that to this very moment it shook me to my foundations and I, I can remember that and it served as an experience that many times I have looked back to this was such an experience with Jacob. He would be separated from this place. He would go away and other things and be involved in other things, as we'll talk about in a moment. But this was an experience that he had at Bethel the first time, that he was never able to escape. You know what I'm praying for here this morning? I am praying by the time this service ends that somebody would have such an encounter with God that it would be unescapable. That you would not be able to leave this place and just shrug it off as maybe you have in times past. Maybe just like water off of a duck's back, you've been able to go on and live and be carnal and even indulge in sin. In and and give yourself to the things of the world and not be affected but I, I'm i praying that every time you engage in that kind of activity you'd be reminded of an experience an encounter that you had with God and the blessing of the Lord and the mercies of God that came upon your life In fact, I don't know how some people live with themselves. I don't know how you can go out and do things uh, through the week and come in here in the presence, in the sacred presence of God after having given yourself to the world and given yourself to sin and come back in this house and act as though everything is all right. There's a danger in that. That tells me that you probably never really had an encounter with God. And experience with God like you need. Because it's not easy to just walk over that. It's not easy just to trample on that. We need a revival in America of good old wholesome fear of God. We need a revival in America of respect for the house of God. We need a revival in America for respect for the men of God. We need a revival in America for the respect of people that watch for your soul. We need a revival in America for people that have a wholesomeness about them that says, God, I don't want to transgress your will. I want to be obedient to your word. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. And so from the top of that ladder, The Lord speaks to Jacob and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and I will be with you wherever you go and will keep you and bring you back to this place again. It's my desire to bring you back to this very location, to this very place I know right now you're on the run. And I know right now uh, you will not be able to stay right here. But I'm going to bring you and I'm going to keep you in this place and I'm going to give this land to you. Of course, we know that this was part of the promise, the promised land eventually that God would give to his people. And when Jacob awoke, he said some very startling words. He said, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. And I know that there's been a lot of ways of explaining this, but one translation that I read said that really what he was saying is I never dreamed that God would be in a place like this. I never dreamed that God would visit me in a place like this. But as I've already said, God visits us a lot of times when we're in a desperate situation. When we're in a desperate place. When we feel alone. When we feel by ourselves, which is exactly what the way that Jacob felt. And the experience that he was having. I'm going to just tell you something. You can be in a room full of people and still feel alone. You 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 can be in a world that is teeming and on a job that is, that is surrounding you with people every day and still be alone in your heart and know that something is just not right. Amen. Because there's a God-placed void in all of our hearts that only the presence of God can feel. And we've got to open up our hearts to Him and surrender ourselves to Him. He's the only one that can give us that peace. He's the only one that can give us the joy that we need. He said, I never dreamed that God would be in this place. But he said, it's a wonderful place. It's an awesome place. It's a holy place, and I'll never be able to forget what happened in this place. He called or renamed the place Bethel. It was first called Luz at the beginning, and he called it Bethel which means the house of God. The house of God. And he made a memorial there. This is very significant. He, the, the stone that he was lying upon for a pillow, he turned it upwards and he poured oil upon it. He made a memorial there. And then he made some promises to God. In essence, he built an altar. And... He made some promises to the Lord that if you will be my God, if God will be with me and provide for me and bring me back to this place in peace, if He will clothe me, and if He will provide bread for me, and if He'll keep me safe, and if He'll give me an opportunity, I make this commitment. I am going to come back to this place and I'm going to make him my God and I'm going to serve him. You know how many times does people pray when they got trouble. How many times does people seek God when they've got situations and circumstances that they need God to intervene and say, God, if you'll get me out of this mess, if you will help me and if you'll provide a way of escape and if you will protect me and if you'll take care of me and if you'll get me out of this jam, I promise you, I'll make you my God. I promise you, I will live for you. I will serve you. I will do your will. Can I tell you, Jacob, uh, there's a better way. You don't have to wait until the baby's sick to get earnest before God. You don't have to wait until disease is diagnosed To get earnest before God You don't have to wait until trouble and trial comes Before you turn your face to the Lord It would be better for you right here in this sanctuary today Before there's ever any cost in coming back To make up your mind Amen I'm in Bethel I'm in the house of God I'm in the very presence of the Lord God has provided me a place to pray God has given me an opportunity to serve here I don't have to have heartache to serve here I don't have to have trouble to serve here I don't have to have pain in my life and problems to serve here but I'll make a commitment to God now I'll serve the Lord and consecrate before Him now I can't tell you how many times that I've been called to the sickbed of people that have backslidden away from God. And I don't care how far they went in the world, how far they separated themselves from Bethel, how many miles they traveled, as it were, spiritually away from God, how far they distanced themselves from the church and what a life they lived that was hardly recognizable to anybody that knew anything about God. Some of them, 25 and 30 years. I'm remembering one lady over 25 years right here in this city. She did not attend this church, but she had attended a church in another city nearby. And she was a backslider. And she was dying with cancer. And her husband, who didn't know anything about God, he called and asked that we would come and pray. And I went and visited her on on different occasions. And I remember her agonizing, saying, I wish I would have never walked away because the cost of coming back has escalated far beyond what I ever dreamed. I had such an experience with God, I had such a walk with God, but look at my life now. I'm addicted to nicotine, and that has caused me to develop lung cancer, and lung cancer is ravaging my life, and it's masticized throughout my body now, and it's overtaken me, and the doctor says, I only have weeks to live. Preacher, can you pray, can you help me to pray, and to find my way back to God? But many times when people are in this condition and they've waited so long and they're simply a shell of what they used to be, it's not that God is not merciful. It's that they don't have any confidence in themselves and they don't have any faith that they can really turn it around. And it's though they don't even have the strength to pray and to touch God. And we would pray for a little while and, and she would have a coughing fit and I would have to leave and come back at a later time. I wish I can tell you that that story ended well but she died and went into eternity having had an experience with God having known what it was to be at Bethel having known what it was to have an encounter with God but for whatever reason she moved away from it and the Bible said after this encounter that Jacob moved some 500 miles away to Petarim where was his uncle Laban? I gotta put some time and distance between me. I gotta go find myself. You know, I was raised up serving God. I was I was raised up in the church. I I was raised up doing this and and I, you know, you know who my grandfather was. He's Abraham and, and Isaac was my daddy and and uh, you know, we, we just always live for God and serve God, but it's time for me to be my own man. And develop myself. And matter of fact, I want to see how I can prosper in this life. And you know, the hand of God was upon Jacob the hand of God was upon him. Have you ever thought that the hand of God may be upon you because of the legacy and the people that went before you that lived faithfully before God and served the Lord? It's not so much about you being all that great and you being all that wonderful and you being all that intelligent and you being better than everybody else. But maybe you had a grandfather and you had a father that that paid tithe and, and came to the house of God religiously and faithfully and served God and did the right. Things and made the right choices. And can I just say that that blessing extends to you? The Bible said his gifts and callings are without repentance. He gives gifts to to people and he blesses people and he is there and extends mercy to people. And we a lot of times walk in the blessings of God that we ourselves have nothing to do with. I had a great grandfather that preached this truth and I believe with all of my heart I stand in this pulpit today. Because of men like that, that uncompromisingly live for God and serve the Lord and preach the truth of God's word. He moved all the way over there and and yes, he began to deal with Laban who was a lot like himself. We kind of see where the gene Was passed on to Jacob being a trickster and a carn artist. I mean, Laban was a skinflint. He cheated him every which way he could. He got as much out of him as he possibly could. He worked him like a dog for 20 years. Got as much as. And the more he tried to suppress him and outmaneuver him, the more God gave favor to him and blessed him and he was increased. And he hears Laban's sons. He hears them talking one day, hey, we're going to have to do something about this Jacob. He, he's going to take everything we got as far as our inheritance. He's going to take it all away from us. And so he set out and made a plan. We've got to get out of here. We've got to escape this place. And he takes his family with him who God had blessed him. But now he's got camels and he's got flocks and he's got cattle. And he's got manservants, and he's got maidservants, and he's got all kinds of wealth. He went there empty. He went there with nothing. But still there's this emptiness on the inside of him. He may have things, but he don't have what he really wants. He may have possessions, but he don't possess what he really desires. He may have material goods, but he doesn't have that thing that he knows that he needs and that he received when he was back there at Bethel. He's 500 miles away from it, but a whole lot further than that. He is far from that experience. He is far from that encounter with God. He's living in a heathen land. i gotta i gotta make my way back of course laban is angry with him as he begins to travel and to make his way back he said i'm gonna go back to bethel and he travels in that direction he's going home he's gonna make things right he's gonna get it taken care of and then laban catches up with him and and their differences are are reconciled and 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 things are made better, and and you would think that this would be just an absolute perfect time for him just to say, like a beeline, I'm gonna make my way to Bethel. I'm not letting anything keep me, stop me, or hinder me from arriving at that place. But he doesn't do that. And in that journey, where he's just kind of taking his time, not in a hurry. I mean, you know, he's getting closer. But he's not where he needs to be and he knows it. Somebody gives him word that Esau is on the hunt for him. And now he grows very concerned. And he said, you know, I've got a lot of possessions here and, and, and i got a lot of things here and, and I can just, I can send them on ahead and I can send them up and maybe that will soften the heart of Esau. And I'll send my family and if he sees them little darlings and those children that I have in my family he surely wouldn't slaughter me at that point. He surely wouldn't pass judgment on me then. And so he sends them on ahead and there at Penuel by that brook, the Bible says that he, an angel of the Lord wrestled with him. And he refused to just let it go because he was so desperate to- He said, i I got to to know. i got to have a confirmation. There's got to be a change. I'm desperate before God. I need the Lord to intervene for me. I need God to change some things in my life. And the Bible said the angel, and you know the story, reached out and touched his thigh. And at that point, uh, uh, his, his thigh was out of socket. And there was excruciating pain, but he refused to let go. And finally at daybreak, the angel said, look, the sun is rising in the East, what is it that you desire? He said, I desire that you bless me. And the angel spoke to him and said, You know, for a long time you've had encounters, but you've never really had a change. You've never been different from the inside out. I'm going to change your very nature. You've been called Jacob, trickster, carn artist, deceiver, but I'm going to rename you Israel, a prince having power with God, suddenly you're going to have the strength to overcome this old sin nature. You're going to have the strength and the power to overcome this character issue in your life. I'm going to help you to be a different man. Surely now, Jacob, God's got you out of a jam because just as he had sent those gifts over to soften the heart of Esau. Esau's heart was softened. I don't believe it was so much by the gifts. I believe it was God dealing with Esau. And he said, what is all of this? I don't need this. And they fell on one another's neck and was reconciled. And you would have thought, surely now, after all of this, after all God's done, man, I've got to get back to that place where I made a memorial i got to get back to Bethel, bow my knees at an old altar, and say, God, thank you that you didn't let me go too far. Thank you that you didn't let me be destroyed. Thank you that it didn't cost me no more than it did to get back. But you know what? That's not what happened. The cost keeps escalating. The cost keeps going up because he settled 20 miles from Bethlehem in a place called Shechem and was there in Shechem among the Canaanites among the heathens the Moab and all of those people that were in the land the scripture tells us that he had a very beautiful daughter by the name of Dinah and the prince of that land got to looking at that daughter and he allured her and there was an illicit relationship and of course this angered not only jacob but the sons the brothers of dinah and so trying to find a, a way to to make amends here and to be able to exist and survive knowing That this was a bad situation. Prince said, Hey, we're willing to do whatever we, we need to do to, to make this right so that this man could marry your daughter. Jacob or Abraham. His covenant was was the covenant of circumcision. So Jacob said, If you're willing, if you're willing to come underneath this covenant, If you're willing to serve our God, then I guess she'll be permitted to marry. But that didn't take care of the rage and the spirit of revenge that was in the heart of those brothers. And so they went along with the deal. But while those men were healing, they went into their tents and they destroyed them, everyone. And they looted their camp. And they stole their goods. And when news came to Jacob, he was heartbroken and he was afraid because he knew what this meant. He knew there was going to be war and it was going to be trouble. 20 miles away from Bethel, within reach, within walking distance, within... Just a short ways away was this place that he should have went back to. He should not have lingered. He had no business stopping there and trying to exist there, trying to survive. This wasn't the place that God had intended for him to be. He said, I'll bring you back to this place. And suddenly he realizes, hey, we're in trouble, Rachel. We have got to get back back to Bethel we got to get back to the house of God we got to get the blessings and the favor of the Lord back up on our lives amen our family is in trouble we're in a desperate situation and in chapter 35 I read to you originally all the way over in chapter 28 notice that he could have came back several times in this story but all the way he waits until chapter 35 and God said unto Jacob. Jacob, arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. When Jacob said unto his household, then Jacob said unto his household to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. You see, when Rachel left her father Laban's house, she took some household idols. And I read somewhere that it would be the size of maybe a baby doll. And she had them in her care. and, And she had never really had an encounter experience with God. This is all she had ever been raised around. This was all that she knew. And she took them with her. But Jacob knew it wasn't right. But he had allowed it for this period of time. And he said, I want you to put away those strange gods. And let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God. And who answered me in the day? of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the yoke which was by Shechem. They took away and they took off the jewelry and the things that they had taken on and the things that had been customary for for the pagans to wear the things that was customary for the pagans to partake of. And they said, you know what? We don't want anything between us and God. We'll take it off. We'll take it off our ears. We'll take it off of our hands. And we'll bury it and leave it here under this tree at Shechem because we don't want... I want want you to notice throughout Scripture, even in the Old Testament, when people were drifting away from God, it's when they started putting on those things. And when they start drawing close to God, it's when they start taking off those things. Because deity... is man gold represents deity and deities to be on the inside not on the outside and god said if you want to draw close to me if you want to come near to me you take those things off and i'll receive you and they journeyed and the terror of god was upon the cities that were around about the very thing that jacob had been fearing the very thing that he'd been concerned about that if we do this we're going to need god's protection we're going to Meet God in a need for us. We're traveling through hostile territory. God said, you don't worry about it. I'll blind the enemy. They won't hear you walking through the land. They'll never know you're there. I'll make a path straight to Bethel. If you'll only make a commitment to come to me, I'll... Somebody here this morning said, "Well, you know, if I do this, then I got to think about, I got to think about the fallout. I got to think about what others are going to say. I got to worry about all these decisions that I made that has led to this point. Turning this around is not no easy deal. This can't be done in a day. I'm going to tell you, when you make the commitment, God makes it easy." It's a struggle when you don't make the commitment. It's a struggle trying to live for God half-heartedly. But when you make a commitment, Jacob, he said, I'll put terror on your enemies. I'll cause them to realize that they better not touch you. They better not come against you. They better not try to hinder you from going where you want to go and doing what you need to do for God. I'm going to tell you the very things you're worried about. That's the fear that the enemy's trying to put on you. God will put fear on your enemies if you'll make a commitment to serve. Clap your hands and worship the Lord. i got to put off the hindrances and the encumberments and everything that would stop me from finding my way back to God. He makes that journey. And he comes back. To that place. It didn't have to be like this. It didn't have to be that a daughter's been defiled. Been raped, basically. It didn't have to be that all this carnage in your life, Jacob, didn't have to be like that. But because you hesitated, because you wait, the cost just keeps escalating. But I don't want to leave you without any hope here today. I want to tell you the cost of not coming back is far greater than any cost or anything that you have to lay on the altar or anything that you'll have to lay aside to make your way back here today. Come on, we're coming to the line in the sand. We are coming to the place of commitment. There's some of you that have very much concerned me because you've trafficked across the borders. You've trafficked in and out of Bethel and back over to Shechem and back to Bethel. You need to make up your mind for your own good this morning. You're destroying whatever God consciousness that you have in your heart. You're totally destroying it by your your lack and your lukewarm attitude towards the things of God there's nothing that makes God any more sick than somebody that's lukewarm somebody that comes to the house of God and plays games with God and with their soul that comes and joins in the worship but has no desire to really commit themselves to God you're not fooling anybody but yourself ma'am you're not fooling anybody but yourself sir you need to base your pride and make your way to an altar and say God if you'll accept me I'm coming back today I'm coming back today I'm coming back today And if you get swelled up and if you get mad and if you allow yourself to get angry at this kind of message, you don't know me very well. Because I'm preaching with a burden this morning. I'm preaching having prayed and sought God and been patient and tried my very best to allow God to to move. And God to work. But there is a line. There's a line. When your spirit starts affecting other people's spirit, when your attitude starts affecting other people's attitude, we got to draw the line. There comes a time when you got to cut the cancer out, there comes a time when you got to excise the tur- tumor. There comes a time when you got to deal with sin. And I'm standing here flat footed this morning, brave enough and courageous enough to do it. I'm not intimidated to stand against sin. I never have been. And I'm not fixing to start being intimidated to deal with sin. Revival comes through people that are willing to humble themselves before God. Your biggest problem is you got too much pride. That's your biggest problem. Amen. It's not about how smart you are and how much money you god i tell you it's how much you love god that's going to count in the end i said it's how much you love the lord that is going to make the biggest difference stand your feet with me right now let's lift up our hands to the lord There's still somebody that loves this truth. There's still somebody that's willing to stand for this truth. There's still folks that love God and want to live for Him right. There's still folks today, amen, you may walk away, you may walk out, you may backslide, you may grow bitter. But there's somebody who's going to see an opportunity here this morning and say, God, I surrender all. I give everything to you. time to build a memorial I said it's time to build a memorial in the presence of the Lord and when he came back this time he renamed it again Brother Lorman he said from this moment it's going to be El Bethel it was the house of God before but now I'm here because El Bethel means the God of the house I'm not here just because it's a beautiful church and got a good program going. They got good music and they got preaching and they got program and they got all this. But I'm here because of the God that I feel here. And I've had a relationship and an experience with God that has made the difference in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That, that old verse of Scripture keeps, keeps balling up in my mind as I stand here today. Some of us are ashamed to commit to God and let Him be our God. But the Bible said if we're ashamed of Him, He's going to be ashamed of us. That we've got to do like Christ, Paul said. We've got to go out of the camp bearing the reproach. Willing to bear the reproach of Christ. What he was speaking of is that, that goat that was, the priest would lay his hands upon. It was called the scapegoat. He'd lay his hands on impugning the sins of Israel. And he would lead him out of the camp as far as he could. And that, that animal bore the reproach of Israel. He'd lead it out. And he'd lead it out as far as he could. And then he'd turn it loose and shoo it away. And it was to be lost in the wilderness. Never to return to the camp again. To be separated. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be blessed of God, you've got to be willing to bear the reproach of being an apostolic. You can't be ashamed be being a holy roller and really have the blessings of God. You, you can't try to fit in with the world and really have the blessings of God. you got to accept him and say, God, I need you more than I need anything else. But you hear me in the Holy Ghost this morning. For those of you that are in this place this morning, it's not going to continue just like it's been going. This is a service. This is a moment. This is a certain place. You hear me today. If you've ever heard anything this preacher's ever said, you hear me today. You'll not be able to continue to mock this church and mock what this church stands for. You will not be able to continue to go on social media and make a mockery out of holy things. You'll no longer be able to do that. Because God's going to defend his own. God spoke to this preacher. God's going to defend his own. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I wonder if there's somebody that's willing to come to this altar and say, Count me in with the righteous. Count me in, God, with those that are right and want to be saved. I need. You, Jesus more than I need anything else. Uh, I'm turning my back on the world. Uh, I'm turning my back on sin. Uh, I'm turning my back on unrighteousness. Uh, tomorrow, tonight, uh, is going to be different. Uh, but right now, we're in a certain place and somebody needs to respond to the voice of God. I tremble in the Holy Ghost. I tremble in the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. I don't like preaching like this. This is not my cup of tea. This is not my forte. This is not the way I like to do it. But I feel so compelled to preach to somebody. The cost of coming back is going to continue to escalate until it's going to be too great. If you wait, if you hesitate, if you keep putting it off, the cost is only going to get greater and more as time goes by. You need to make a commitment today. You need to make up your mind today. You need to sell out here today. Oh, God, help me. Help me to spit this hook out, God. Oh, help me, God, to get loose from this snare, God, this morning. Help me, Lord. Come on, is there somebody to help this preacher? Is there somebody that'll pray? Is there somebody that'll cry out loud? Is there somebody that will not spare? Is there somebody that'll lift up your voice? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let there be an intense cry. Let there be a voice of intercession. Let somebody cry out. I don't wish judgment on anybody. I don't wish hurt on anybody. I don't wish anybody to have to go through troubles. Oh, God, be merciful today. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I delivered my soul this morning, God. I I did my best today, God. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus thank you Jesus I'm sorry if you don't feel it but this is a moment this is a place. A pivotal point. Decisions are going to be made here today. Choices are being made even as we speak here this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I'd like for the platform to help me. Thank you, Jesus. Let's step down here. There's there's something going on here that's bigger than anything I've felt in a long time. A burden on my heart. If you got somebody here you're concerned for, you're burdened for, you feel called to. I want you to, I want you to follow that. This this may put some pressure on, but hey, I want to say I've done everything I could possibly do to salvage somebody. I want to say that I put it all out there to try to save somebody. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, this could be the turning point. This could be the turning point. It doesn't have to end with destruction. It doesn't have to end with you saying, I wish I could get back, but I don't think I can. It doesn't have to end with you being destroyed and your marriage being destroyed and your reputation being destroyed. It doesn't have to end you being a hopeless drug addict or alcoholic it doesn't have to end like that. It doesn't have to end. With you wondering, God, is there any way? Is there any hope for me? If you ever wondered if God led you, you ought to be convinced of it today. If you ever wondered if God was a merciful God, you ought to be convinced of it this morning. Because He's reaching, He's reaching, He's reaching, He's reaching. He's trying. Oh, God, I pray, Lord. I know this is foreign to many. I know a lot of folks don't understand this kind of service. They don't get this. Amen. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. I feel strong in my spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.